Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. And welcome to Rule the Roost. I am your co-host, to Trunk, along with my other co-host, Raji Baines. Um, do you care to share with our avid listeners, hello mum, um, as to why I'm calling myself the co-host now, Raj? You got, I got in trouble, didn't I? Well, you say it's trouble, but I, all I did was, you actually barraged me into making the fact that I was on this podcast um, public on my Twitter profile. So I did um, after several weeks. Um, it was only about halfway through the season that I did it. Um, and then I noticed on your profile you had called yourself the host of the podcast, but I'd call myself the co-host. And all I did was make that apparent to yourself. And I, I didn't ask you to do anything. I didn't tell you that there was any issue and you didn't make it known that you had an issue with this being brought up, but apparently it's, it's hurt your ego somewhat. Um, a lot hurts my ego because it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's frail. I might have this, this boisterous, loud mouth exterior, but inside there's a, there's a delicate flower, mate. Um, so just think on. Yeah. Um, anyway, we, uh, we haven't watched Game of Thrones this week, have we? Neither of us. No. So um, even though we ruined the ending for people last week, we haven't actually received any backlash on that, which is good. Um, I, I think, I t- I think that's yeah, just pro- I think that's just proof that people turn off before the end of the podcast. To be honest, that's true. That's true. But I wanted to to take this opportunity as we've had uh, the taxi, whatever it is, fuck taxi or whatever it's called before. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to take an opportunity to to inform you of a, 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 a kind of a porno knockoff of Game of Thrones that's been brought to my attention. I don't know if you've ever seen, like, you've got Clockwork Orgy and Schindler's Fist and Shaving Ryan's Privates, all these kind of, like, porno versions of... Buffy the of, Vampire Layer. That's, yeah, that's a good one, that's a good one. Or Muffy the Vampire Layer, isn't it, I think? But, um, uh... I mean, you're, you're more of a on these matters than I am. Of course. Um, we've got now Game of Bones, which we'll, 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 I'll tweet the DVD cover out. But if you, I'll send you the link across, mate. You can have a little look. Um, That's brilliant. I mean, I think my favourite part is the uh, the byline: "Winter is coming." Spelled C-U-L-M-I-N-G. <laughs> I like as well the Iron Throne sword handles actually being a collection of dildos. They're quite intricate leatherwork ones as well, which is, um, you know, a master of their profession. But yeah, I mean, the the the, the actual level of detail they've gone down to, to to finding porno doubles of the actual cast is is it's gotta be it's gotta be lauded that mate. I think that's that's yeah, that's, I mean, that's I some th- serious effort. Woodrocket.com <laughs> have gone to <laughs> I think I, I prefer the um the real life Khaleesi to the one that's been filmed, but I think I've probably got more chance with the, the film version than the real one. But the um the guy that's playing Peter Dinklage is is that a Fully grown man, or is that a short man as well? Because I can't quite tell. I, I <laughs> well, a, 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 a fully well, not fully grown. Is that, as is such, that uh, the uh, politically correct way of saying it? I'm not entirely oh, sure. I what, don't know. We're we're walking into a minefield here, yeah. aren't we? But I would say, uh, I would say it's it's a, a genuine small man. I don't know. I don't know the term, but it's it's in the arms. It's in the arms, mate. You can oh, see. Because yeah, at first, before I saw that, I thought it was a. Uh, uh, able-bodied person uh, on his knees, 
That would be porn at its most distasteful. Really. Not that it's really a tasteful industry as it is, but, you know, there you go. But we'll tweet the picture out. You can have a little look at the game of Bones, Cast and uh, Chortle. It's a good one. But um, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, again, we, we played a game this week, which I've seen described as a London derby by a few. Geographically, Fulham might be in London, but it doesn't evoke any of the passion or, or the kind of emotion for me of a of a London derby, as it were. It's just a game against Fulham, you know, really. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I understand what you're saying. We, we, we dispatched them. Fairly, fairly easily, didn't we? What did you? Let's let's have a, a little focus on Christian Eriksen. Provided two of the goals, seems to be really coming into his own at the tail end of this season, mate. Can you can you see us holding on to him over some? Do you think he's that good yet that bigger clubs will be circling? Um, I think one of the big concerns while he was at Ajax was whether or not his his ability would be able to translate into other uh, leagues and consistently or not because he was a young player when he was there he still is a young player I mean uh, with us but um, as, I, as I said the big clubs had a look at him I mean all the big clubs if you want to name them and reel them off they all had a gander at him but um, we were the ones that bought him towards the end of his contract because nobody was entirely certain or not whether or not he would be able to replicate his form in the Dutch leagues elsewhere because I mean, it's about 50-50. If you think of the players that have come over from there to here in in England, some of them have worked really well, some of them haven't. Um, and I think that was the, the fear with um, with clubs wanting to make that investment, especially before the season we did as well, because Ajax would have been able to command a much higher fee. Um, but it entirely depends on our situation, really, whether or not we're looking to sell um, how much profit is going to be in it? Because we we sell, we bought him for a nominal fee, really, for how good he is. So we can probably get double that now. Um, and if our management management and managerial situation isn't sorted out, then you wouldn't really blame him for probably wanting to go to a slightly more stable situation as well. It's going to take at least twenty three to twenty five mil, I'd say. Yeah, anything in the uh, region of double what we paid for him, at least, I think. I, I don't think he's quite £30 million pounds yet. But no, no. I mean, we we barely got that much for, for Modric after after no. trying, and he's, he's definitely not at that level yet. Um, he's he, he's in that place, isn't he, uh, Ericsson, where he's obviously got a hell of a lot of promise, and there's a lot that he does very well. But at the same time, there are some big weaknesses in his game. And it, it, his career could still go either way. I don't think it's, it's nailed on that he's going to be this out-and-out world-class player. Um, if he were to go to a club with a huge squad where he'd just be another fantastic player in a squad of fantastic players, so your, your cities, your Madrids, one of those, where he'd just be another part of the puzzle um, rather than you know a, a jewel in the crown to you know properly lay out all the cliches that we're going with now, <laughs> um, he, he, he might fade, as you see some young players do, but if we choose to now build a squad around him and, and have a real go and uh, make him a, a focal point of the team. And he looks like a player that will pick that mantle up. He, he did really well at Ajax when they relied on him. And if we make him similarly important in our side, then I can't see there being any um, any uh, issue with him running with that there. You know, speaking about Christian Eriksen and the Fulham game at the same time, uh, as well, a good shout-out to Harry Kane, who scored again. Um Three starts, three goals. Not bad for the young lads. Um, when they were interviewed post-game by BT Sports, it's quite a funny little scene. If you haven't seen it yet, I implore you, please go to YouTube and track down Christian Eriksen, Harry Kane, Tim Sherwood interview, where essentially the interviewer asks this tepid, standard question to them, what do you make of Tim Sherwood and his passion and blah, 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 blah. And... Uh, <laughs> Harry Kane, of course, gives the stock. He owes a great top bloke. He's got our back. He's got this. We all hope he's here next year. Um, camera goes over to Christian Eriksen, Mike shoved in his face. And what do you think of Tim Sherwood, Christian? And you can see straight away he just has to stifle a laugh. Um, and all he can actually manage through his attempts not to piss himself are, I think, exactly the same thing. And then just has to look away immediately and just smirk and it, it I don't know it just feels like I don't know whether someone had told him a joke beforehand or he actually just thinks Tim Sherwood is a laugh um 
it, it kind of was quite telling as to what some of the squad might actually think of Tim Sherwood. You, you saw it as well, didn't you, mate? You watched it before the before we recorded this. Yeah, you sent me it before on the summer. Um, you all us to bring up, and as I was watching it, I was reminiscent of you know when you're in high school and somebody made a dirty joke or something that you couldn't let anybody else on. Yeah. It would be slightly embarrassing. You kind of giggled away to yourself. It was, it was one of those because he was like rolling his sleeves down, giggling to himself, hiding his face looking away from the camera, trying not to make eye contact with anyone because he, he could have just burst out laughing. Um, he did actually quite well because he just, he just ends up grinning to himself like a bit of an idiot. Um, but, it, I mean, it can be interpreted that he, he finds the question and the, the whole situation a bit of a joke. It might be a little bit of um, a bit nervousness on his part having to speak to the media because some players, I mean, especially someone as young as him, might, might find that still slightly... Uh, irritating and not too comfortable um, towing the party line and just doing that sort of thing. I mean, Harry Kane's been in the Tottenham system for that long now that speaking that sort of shit where it's not really an answer, it's just a, a prepared statement is probably second nature to him now. And Ericsson's probably at the similar stage, but he's probably got a bit more about him to find something funny in it because Harry Kane appears to have the personality of my little tour. Um so he's he's been, definitely a man at shoes on crayons, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he, Ralph Wiggum is the obvious comparison. <laughs> um, he he was that kid at school that would like, you remember when you had that glue that used to when it stuck to your hand, you could peel it off. He was the kid that you'd find five minutes later with both of his hands stuck together, and his lips, and his, <laughs> and his lips, yeah. Um, right, so that's enough about that. Spurs won. Good, good three points. Chasing down the top four, Raj. We could still do it, mate. Yeah, no chance. I mean, I I made a joke earlier about um, Man United chasing um, Pep Guardiola um, on the Rule Roos feed, and I said um, if they're touting players like that, I tweeted at Miranda Kerr asking if she wanted a Nando's in Leeds sometime. There's about as much chance of <laughs> her replying and saying yes to um, to that than there is uh, what we're talking. I can't even remember what we were taking a piss out of now, then, yeah, I was getting top four. I, I mean, I'm not even thinking about it anymore. Um, I think if Man United weren't so terrible, they would have probably overtaken us by now. But we're most likely going to finish above Man United for the first time in the Premier League and not even get Champions League football, which is um, incredible, really. Well, very uh, spursy. I well, will wash my mouth. And I hate that expression, but it's, it can only be described as that. But uh, we have this week a game against one of our very favourite football teams here on Rule the Roost, um, Stoke City. So let's... Did we speak to Stoke last time? We didn't. We couldn't bring ourselves to talk to anyone from Stoke. <laughs> but we've managed to find someone. Um, he might live in a cave. He's got a very basic grasp of, of English. But uh... I think our first question to him should be to ask whether or not he um, he's one of those people we see outside the ground on transfer deadline day who appear to have eight fingers and eight toes and eat their own <laughs> bogeys. Uh, essentially, Harry Kane's family is what they look like. And a mum who's his sister. Um, but, uh, we'll, uh, yeah, let's let's talk to this Stoke person now. So, welcome to Rule the Roost, Mr James Whitaker of ESPN. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing well, are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad, thanks. Yeah, we, d- we did actually manage to find a Stoke fan that wasn't one of the ones that hangs around outside the Sky Sky News cameras on <laughs> transfer deadline day. Um, the hills have eyes. Yeah, well, you know, all, all fans. I think Southampton have got a few of those as well, don't they? But, I think most teams do. Yeah, yeah but Stoke seem to get highlighted quite a bit. So do you, do you ever go down there at all, actually? No, I make a point of avoiding it. I'm actually based up in Leeds as well, so uh, I cringe with the rest of the, with the country. Oh, uh, you're a Leeds <laughs> yeah. it's just It's a shame you didn't get to, to meet Raj, who's actually... Not not turned up. He's he's uh, he's 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 gone Eric Lamella on us, so that's no good. Um, but at least James is here, so we'll 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 crack on straight away with your season, James. Um, I mean, how, how what's your summation of it? I mean, we're we're getting towards the end of the year. Are you happy with how things have turned out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Uh... You know, you'll get a different answer perhaps from depending on which Stoke fan you ask. But for me, at the end of last season, it really was a case of 
anyone but Pulis. Just get him out. And I know that might seem, you know, daft given what he's doing at Crystal Palace, but, you know, I watched every single game for seven years and I'm just absolutely sick of it. So when he went, I was just, you know, on top of the world. Um, And then when Hughes came in, I'll admit to being a little bit underwhelmed. But again, you know, I was willing to give him a chance. Um, I think the stat knocking around was when he's been given the full season, he's never finished outside the top 10. Uh, you know, and for a club our size, something like that's not to be sniffed at. And he's and he's well on track for it. You know, we're in tenth position at the moment, and we've got a little bit of a gap. But it's ironically, it's it's Pulis who's who's pushing us uh, in eleventh place. But it's been a massive season of transition for us, to be honest. And when you think about it, you know, we played a certain way for for seven years, and certainly in the Premier League, we were a lot tighter than we were in the Championship, and it was a bit of a war of attrition at times um and Hughes has absolutely turned you know a group that was drilled and in one way of playing he's turned them into footballers and he's you know he's done it and and he's taken us up the league I was more than happy to play better football and not get relegated but to to be 10th at this stage of the season is uh is a dream come true I think well it must be pretty irritating because I, I I've seen quite a few people kind of scoff uh, the fact that Stoke got rid of Pulis and, oh, look look at what he's doing now, you know. And some people almost even using that excuse, well, you, you can't really blame him for doing what he was doing. He was the Stoke manager after all. But you think, well, he's actually a smaller club now, arguably, with Crystal Palace. And it's him, ultimately, that made Stoke play in the way in which they were. Because as we've seen now, since Hughes has come in, you guys are actually, well, you know, you, you were still playing football before. But if you see what I mean, you, you, you're not playing that overly aggressive kind of West Ham style as they're playing under Allardyce now. You, you seem to actually be kicking it about, keeping it on the deck um, and, you know, putting putting some decent kind of passing moves together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, you know, like I said, they were drilled to play one way, but it's obvious that they can play football. You know, we've got players like Ryan Shawcross from, you know, from Man United. You don't get through Man United Academy without being able to pass a ball. And his games come on, uh, come on really well. And as you said, it was Pulis's choice to play that way. He always used to say, you know, you, you play with the, you know, to the ability of the players you've got, but he spent 100 million quid you know, d- developing a side to play in his exact image. And I think it's a little bit ironic that he's, uh, you know, that he came out with a comment at the weekend saying he can play a, a more expansive uh, way at Palace because he's got a different set of players. Well, these, you know, the players at Stoke were the ones that he spent £100 million on and the ones at Palace were the ones that Holloway got him. But, you know, all credit to him. I wouldn't be watching Premier League football without him. I wouldn't have had a, you know, an amazing night in Valencia without him. And uh, it, I think parting of the ways, I think, was was good for Hughes and for Pulis. So uh, everyone's the winner, I think. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've been in a really good run of form at the moment. Um, you see, you've only lost one game, which to be fair, was away to Chelsea in your, in your last five, um, in your last six even, I should say. Um, I mean, what, what, what do you think has been the, the major contributing factor to that at the moment? If you had one particular player that's standing out for you? I was saying that in the recent, I think it's two losses in 12. I think that in the sort of recent, this recent run of form, it's down to a number of things. Um, I mean, Hughes has always said his sides tend to be better in the second half of the season. I think that's because of the, sort of training methods he uses and you know how he does the uh, the rest days and what have you I forget the name of the dutch guy um who he uh, whose methods he employs but but mainly i think uh, i think just basically the team are starting to gel a bit you know they're, they're taking on his ideas they're a bit well versed in it now they're making better decisions and you've got players like marco anatovic who's you know who's suddenly starting to understand what it takes to to perform in the Premier League and to do well in the Premier League and and he's sort of coming to form at just the right time um, with uh, Osama Asaidi's injury, uh, he got his chance, and and obviously Odom Wingy's come on the other flank, and so it's just given us a whole new dimension pushing forward, and we're starting to score goals at last. See, I'd be quite interested to know a little bit more about how you feel Anatovic has done because he was actually a player that uh, I was looking at last season. And I was thinking, at least when we had Andre Villas-Boas in charge and the system he was employing could have really come and done a good job for us. I know he's had a checkered past with his attitude, um, <laughs> yeah. but he, he seems to have kind of, dare I say it, grown up and actually knuckled down. And whenever I've seen him play for you, he's, he's looked like a really decent acquisition, especially for with his dead balls. They look brilliant. Yeah, I mean, he's... He, I- 
put it this way, it, you know, if if he'd have fulfilled his entire potential, he wouldn't be playing for Stoke. You know, yeah. we got him for two million quid. Two million pounds is not a lot of money. And as you say, I had a bit of a check of pass. He was at Inter Milan with with Mourinho, even though he said that he had the brain of a child or something. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's he's best mates with uh, with Balotelli. I think the German press. Uh, you know, made it a mission to sort of get on his back. And, and Hugh said he went over to meet him and, you know, he, he's got a kid now and he wanted a new challenge and he could just tell that, you know, he'd, he'd fit in well in the Premier League. And I think he's he's thriving on it. And as you say, he's got all the tools in his locker. He, it's just that it, just that attitude. I mean, you can still see he's, a, he's as mad as a box of frogs. You know, when he scores a goal, he just goes absolutely mental. Not with his yeah. teammates, just like shouting at imaginary people. But but no, he's. I think he's been a good. Uh, he's been a good signing for us, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll keep him for a few more years. Yeah, he looks decent. Now, one person I do want to move on to who's who's generally uh, hot, oh, let me guess, hot on the lips of Spurs <laughs> is he fans. Scottish? Uh, it could well be. Yeah. Um, is is he the most unpleasant man in the world, James? <laughs> you think? Far from it. Far from it. He's lovely. He's misunderstood as Charlie. Is he? No, he, no. He's 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 just checking he, the the integrity of their shin pads. Is absolutely. That, is that, yeah, that's he, what he's up to. He's just testing it out. Yeah, just making sure his studs are in. Yeah. But he's he. I don't know. He's 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 frustrating as Charlie. He 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 was signed by Pulis when people were crying out for a bit of creativity, but Pulis didn't know how to use him. You know, he's come in, or Hughes has come in rather, and he said, right, I've got this creative player. I'm trying to buy a player better game. But he just doesn't fit in anywhere. He's not a defensive midfielder. He's not an attacking midfielder. He's a luxury player. But he's a luxury player that that's not good enough to do it every week. Do you know what I mean? So he's, he's a bit hard to carry. I was going to say, James, I think, you, I think Stoke are a bit past the point of having to call Charlie Adam a luxury player, aren't you? Uh, hopefully. What, what I mean is he, he, can, know, know. he can produce sort of moments of brilliance, but it just doesn't happen often enough. And when he's not doing that, you're carrying him. Um, and when he's not doing that, he's, he's a liability because he cannot tackle for toffee. And, and, and yeah, you know, I, I'll stick up for some of the things he does, but... There's, there's that little side to him, uh, if Stoke fans are honest with themselves, that, you know, he, he has got a little bit of, you know, I'll leave the foot in or I'll, you know, I'll, I'll just stick an arm in there. And to be honest, it, it annoys me as a Stoke fan because he's done it at times when, you know, we've been chasing a game or we're defending a narrow lead. And I think, you know, at times it's a bit it's a bit irresponsible. And uh, he, he hates Tottenham. He, he really does he hate Tottenham, Charlie Adam. Of history, hasn't he? Yeah, I think, I think it's like Modric's leg is broken. He's done something to bail on a couple of occasions um, and it, it led to last time I don't know if you saw it on your side Sandro um, tweeting him <laughs> or something saying that he was coming to get him and yeah. then, then the FA had to stay out which was all a bit silly wasn't it but it doesn't even look like it looks like uh, Tim Sherwood's done done Charlie Adams job and taken Sandro out of the equation anyway for the game so <laughs> it doesn't look like they'll get to me but, uh, he's a funny lad, Sandro, isn't he? He's, he's the hardest bloke I know who has a gum shield to play football. Yeah, I know. It, well, quite a few people have been saying that recently. Like, we've, we've kind of gathered this reputation of him being a beast and getting stuck in and being this big, hard, horrible bugger in our midfield. But then a lot of people are now starting to be like, yeah, but, you know, he, he was putting out all these silly videos online and then getting his yeah, legs waxed and I think he's more of a pantomime villain really you know he's yeah. you know when, when it when push comes to shove he came face to face with someone like Robert Hoof who'd probably shrink a little bit but <laughs> Robert Hoof who is actually the, the, the funny one of the funniest people on Twitter I've just oh, been to say great. as well it's absolutely great. fantastic but what I did I mean one thing I did want to say about Charlie because it, it, on a serious one it, he, he really does frustrate me as a player when I, when I do see how he I mean it was Paulinho last time who he just completely took out with just it was a needless challenge I mean why is it you think that he is is, it, is that just it's just part of his personality is it because it seems that Charlie Adam is actually a, a fairly decent when he wants to be technical footballer like you say he's creative he, he he's great from a dead ball situation he seems to be able to pick a pass but however he seems more intent on cultivating this idea that he's this midfield hard man but like you say he just he can't tackle for anything I don't I don't think I don't think he's trying to do that I think he's just like you say I think he's a talented player and when he when a team's on the front foot and he's given a free roll he'll dictate play but when a team's on the back foot and he's got to drop in he, he he's almost trying to justify his inclusion, and he's saying, "Right, if I'm in midfield and I'm defending, I've got to put a foot in." And he just he just doesn't have 
he just doesn't have that side to his game. You know, he just can't tackle. He can't. He can't defend. And 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 added to that, as I say, he's got a little bit of a little bit of a streak in him. Uh, and when you put the two together, it's you know, it's it's not great viewing. But uh, you know, I, I don't think the thing is, I don't think he. I can't think of any shape he fits apart from Blackpool's four three three. That's it, and it worked brilliantly for him because I think it was Vaughan and and someone else that did all the running for him and all the carrying for him, and he was just you know he was the the Hollywood sort of quarterback there. But uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure you'll see him actually. I don't think you'll get chance to to boo him not on the uh, not on the pitch anyway. I've, I've, my guess is he'll probably start from the bench. I think the Tottenham physios will be be relieved to hear that one, mate. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what's your kind of? I mean, what would you say is your your main strength at the moment in in general? Is it because I mean, Stoke are often a team that in past at least I've often associated with being a threat with like kind of in the air. So whenever you get a corner or whenever you get one of those free kicks outside the box, I'm always expecting you to, to have a, a player like someone like Nzonzi that can just get ahead on it and get that goal against us or someone like Robert Hoof. It, I mean, would you say that's a fair, fair assertion? Um, I, I would say we've not really been a threat from set pieces for quite a while, even, even in the last sort of 18 months of, of Pulis's reign. I think when we first came into the Premier League, Hooth and Shawcross were both knocking in five, six goals a season each, but they've completely dried up. Um, is, is anyone actually a threat from set pieces anymore? Because it seems every every guest we've had on here has said, Nat, we're crap from corners, <laughs> we're crap from free kicks. Like, is anyone good at corners? I don't think anyone is anymore. I don't know. It's uh, you, you don't get. I mean, they they used to say that you know a massive percentage of goals did come from corners. You know, either from the first or the second ball. But but no, I I can't remember too many goals we've scored. I mean, we did used to score them because that's all we concentrated on. You know, the first couple of years of throw-ins in the corners. But now it's it's dried up, and I think it's I think it's you know it, certainly for us it, it's healthy to to not uh, not rely on on any one thing. But I mean, in terms of the main strength we've got. As I say, I wouldn't say we were particularly effective from set pieces. Um, I think confidence is our main strength at the moment. Um, and as I say, we've in in Arnautovic, if if he's on form and you know he gets a bit of a run and you know he gets past his man and the crowd starts singing his name, he's you know he'll he'll just dictate proceedings. And I, and for me, in terms of your weakness, uh, when I've watched you recently, I, I would suggest that that side will be where. Will get a bit of joy with if Carl Norton plays. plays. <laughs> Carl Norton or Danny Rose, either, either wing, mate. Either wing, he because he, <laughs> he, like he. I think Danny Rose is a good player. I don't, I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's. If he's. If he's suffering a bit from being given a bit more license uh, back at Spurs. But when I saw him at Sunderland, he looked. He looked very tidy. At, you know, at the back and going forward. Yeah, I can. I can wholeheartedly assure you, he's not anymore, <laughs> mate. Um, but uh, so. What would you say is your main weakness at the moment? How, how have teams been getting at you? Where have you let yourself down? Um, similarly, I think we've um, we've been exposed a bit down our right side. Uh, so we've got Jeff Cameron, who's um, he's an American lad. Uh, he's a really versatile player. He's great at tackling. Um, but he played so many games in a row. I think last season he played uh, a whole American season, then came, did a whole English season, then was away in the summer playing for America and then just came straight back into action. He was one of our best players up until Christmas, but since Christmas, he's he just looks tired, um, you know, not just in his legs, but in his head. And players have been sort of ghosting past him the last sort of month or mm. two. Um, and so that's a little bit of a worry. Uh, and obviously he's got Odd and Wingy in front of him and he won't be, I mean, he does work hard helping him out, but if he gets, you know, if, if you start to get in behind, you know, if it's Rose or whoever else you play on the left with a bit of pace, it doesn't take much to get past him, and then obviously when he when you go past him, Shawcross gets pulled out, and then you can pick up the space in between and what have you. So I would say similarly, you know, your your right side is probably your weakness. I would say it's ours as well. Okay, okay. Um, how how can you see yourself lining up against us then in terms of a, a formation, and who who do you see playing within that? It will be a four-two-three-one uh, with Cameron at right back, uh, Shawcross and Wilson in the middle. Uh, you'll probably get Eric Peters at left back, though he's had a few knocks. He's gone off in the last couple of games, but I expect he'll he'll start. Um, the two sitting in front of the back four will be Nzonzi and Glenn Whelan, uh, and then the three I expect will be uh, Arnautovic, Island, and Odom Wingy. Uh, with Crouchy up front. If there's any change to that, 
that you know there's a you know a small chance that Adam might come in for Ireland, but I'd expect Ireland to start. How's 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 Ireland's form? Just just out of interest, how is he getting on now after all his kind of Villa and City stuff that sort of plagued him before the the various sort of dead grannies and things he had. <laughs> he's 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 got a smile on his face. There's a lot of players that have got a smile on their face and and you know Pulis used to talk about Stoke being a you know Battersea dogs home for you know for the <laughs> waves and straight. And it's and it and it's sort of continued to be the case with you know with with Arnie and uh, uh Odd and Wingy to a to a degree and it's the same with with Stephen Ireland. I mean he's 27, you know, he's been around for ages but he's 27 and we've we've got him for free. Um, and when he when he when he plays in that sort of that role just behind Crouch or behind a striker, his uh, his touch is is just amazing. He can just bring it under control and lay it. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com off and he just knows where everyone is and he's I mean he's been in and out of the side mainly because of uh, Adam's sort of scoring run he's had a couple of injuries as well but he's sort of just coming back into fitness and you can just see that that quality and we've we've just not seen that for years it's funny because he was when he was at City breaking through he, he, he you know there was real real potential there and it's amazing yeah yeah I mean it's I think it's probably getting past the point where he's ever going to realize what he perhaps could have been but I can imagine there's, there's still very much a footballer in there, and definitely. He's... I mean, as I say, he's, he's only 27 years old, and you know, hopefully, he'll. Uh, I mean, he's just signed a three-year deal with us, so uh, we're hoping we get his best years. He's one of those like Aaron Lennon, who's only 27 as well. You know, people seem to mm-hmm. forget, but he's been around. Well, he's. I think he might even be younger than 27, to be honest with you, actually. Yeah, he's um, from Leeds, isn't he? Yeah, he's from Little London in Leeds. Little London. Yeah, but, but <laughs> we've we've often spoken about Aaron Lennon's. Dodgy past um, on Royal the Roost. So, yeah, you, you can see it on most games. If if there's any sort of whiff of trouble, you'll just have Aaron, Aaron Lennon sort of bowl <laughs> over or, you know, get stuck in. He's, he might be a little lad, but he's, yeah, he's got it. He's still got it in there. Um, yeah. So, if, if you were to hazard a, hazard a guess at the score, how, how, how do you see this one going? I think it's going to be an open game. Um, I think I think Spurs will be as attacking as they have been under uh, under Mr Sherwood. Um, and I think by doing that, I think that'll suit our game as well because we're better on the break as opposed to having to break sides down. Um, so there'll definitely be goals in it. My head says uh, a score draw, maybe two all, but my heart says a 3-2 win for Stoke. Interesting, interesting. I, I, I can perhaps see you edging it as well, just given the form that you're in. Um, and I, I think your team, it seems, it, it at least feels from the outside quite a cohesive unit at the moment, whereas I think Spurs are still a bit fragmented and we don't really know our our best our best eleven. No, I, 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 yeah, our manager actually our manager I should say, our head coach actually <laughs> said that the other day. I mean out, out of interest from a from an outsider's perspective, what have you thought of Spurs the goings on this year and Tim Sherwood and so on he's and so a, forth? He's a smug sod, isn't he? Oh. There's a, <laughs> you you've put that very nicely there. And there he is. I mean, he's, it's just that. It's just that sort of that smarm. It's it's almost like. I mean, it's great to be self confident, but you know, he, he. I think he's trying too hard. I think in his hearts of hearts, he knows that it was only ever going to be this season, and he tried to do too much. You know, he he tried to do a new shape, or he tried to. You know, I'm going to try Bentaleb here. You know, it's a bold call, something you'd normally do over a season. But seeing as he's only got so many games, he needs to sort of stamp his authority on it. Um, and I don't know. I think the whole—I mean, you did brilliantly to you know to get a hundred million uh, for Bell. You did even better to get eighteen offers for Crouch and Palacios. But <laughs> it's you know it, it's who's buying the players, and and when you see players like you know you mentioned Lamella before. I mean, he, what was he? Best part of thirty million quid? Yeah, well, 30, I think it's about thirty and a half million. So. That's unbelievable. And you, and you think you know he's 
for someone like that, you'd expect to be, you know, setting the league alight. So I don't know who's buying the players. I don't know who's picking the players. It just seems a bit, I don't know, a bit, there's a few struggles, I think, behind the scenes there. And the fact that you've, you know, you've not had much consistency uh, in the manager slash head coach department uh, would suggest that. But, you know, we'll, we'll see who you get in the summer. Yeah, well... Thanks for thanks for joining us this evening as well, James. And, no worries, uh, mate. I'll, let, I'll let you get off to watch the Champions League now. Uh, something that I don't think either of us will be seeing for quite some time um, <laughs> with our own teams, but who knows? You know, you never we, know, mate. We can but dream. We can but dream. Absolutely. And, c- just out of interest, can you still finish above Man United? Um, what are they on now? I don't think we can actually. I think we can finish just below them. I think we can catch Southampton. They were in fifty-seven. Eight. No, you you wouldn't be able to. Like that. that would that, that that's that would have been quite a turnout, though, wouldn't it? Finishing one, one place below Man United isn't too bad, though, or even two places. No, but you can still finish above Southampton and Newcastle, though. So something to worry yeah, that'd be that'd be brilliant. Yeah. All right, then, mate. Well, ha- have a nice evening and thanks for joining us. Cheers, Jack. Thank you very much, James. Um, shame you're a Stoke fan, but. And from Stoke and just associated with Stoke, but thank you for giving us your time. Anyway, you're 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 a big Stoke City fan, aren't you, Raj? You've always said you you, you admire and aspire to their style of football and club ethos. Um, it was to be honest, I think it was more the marriage of Pulis and Stoke that somehow brought out the worst in them. Um, we must admit now, if we cover anything now that we spoke to with. Um, What's his name? James. Um, we haven't actually spoken to him yet. We'll do that tomorrow. But just in case anyone thinking it's a bit odd what I'm about to say, but uh, the marriage of Pulis and Stoke was odd because Pulis doesn't seem to do very well when he has money. Um, whereas and now at Palace, when he had limited funds and he's got to go about a way of playing football um, in order to keep them up, he's done a half decent job. Um, it's vastly different though because Palace are actually playing football as well. That's what I mean. He's he's not had the option of having to buy anyone, so he's had to make do with what he has. And what he had was a, a football inside because uh, that's what Holloway had, had tried to implement before him, and he's done well with what he's got. Um, Would you take him over Sherwood? <laughs> we, it's a big question that's been asked on Twitter. Well, we went through this last time when you listed about twenty different shit managers, and I took them all over Sherwood. So yeah, I mean, he, he's. Got the experience. David, David Moyes? Yeah, I'd take Moyes over Sherwood any day. Um, if, you know what? I, I would too. If it's not Tim Sherwood, it's fine by me. Essentially, is the mindset I'm currently in. Um, just because if if we give him another season in charge, if it comes down to that, excuse me, I just burped. If it comes down to that, then um, ever the professional era. Well, yeah, I could have moved the mic away, but I wanted to be manly, you know. Grr. But um, he sat there with your bollocks out. That's what I'm doing. I'm scratching my ass as well while I talk to you. Um, having a Stella. But um, yeah, I mean, anyone but Sherwood really. Um, another season under him would just it'd be useless really to anyone involved with the club. Um, and I, I wouldn't want want that to be a feature, unfortunately. Um, but what about yourself? Do you? You'd take Moyes, would you? Yeah, I would. Um, it's it's interesting to to note that I think it was in the Independent there was an article today where they'd spoken about David Moyes' approach to press conferences and how quite visibly his demeanour had changed from the time he was at Everton to United. That when he was at Everton, who were this plucky underdog. It was always, we're reaching for the stars, we can beat anyone on our day, we're focused, we're, we're an efficient team, we're a great team, we've got the be- you know, the players that can match anyone, yada, 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 yada. So then taking over a club the size of United and almost immediately changing tack to being like, don't expect anything too soon, there's a lot of work to be done, we can do it if we try. Um, it, it just seemed that... Men- mentally, he he wasn't ready to to step into that United job, and he, the bloke can be forgiven for for that. But I think to to write him off as a manager, like people are treating him like he's this complete joke figure, and I don't think they really appreciate the magnitude of the task that anyone would have faced stepping into the United hot seat after however many years of Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, 
No, I think you. I think you're completely right. Um, I think football management's a double-edged sword in that respect because you've you've not only got to manage the footballers in the club, but you've got to manage the fan expectation as well. And with Everton, um, the expectation was considerably lower than it was, and he was perceived to have um, exceeded that expectation because Everton did well season upon season, finished in the top ten, uh, solidified their the Premier League. Um, you know, staying in the Premier League, were in the top four once, and they had these exciting players, and they played the odd game where they played really well, and they they beat the bigger teams at home every now and then. Although his uh, record away was terrible, um, he, there was obviously limitations to him. But I think to tie it back into somebody like Tony Pulis, who we were talking about before, the expectation at Stoke when they first came up, and everyone was saying that he was good and he was doing what he could with with a club like that was because nobody had any expectation but after he spent all the money he did especially the players he bought from Tottenham Palacios for about 8 million uh, Crouch for about 10 I think they bought him in a double deal that Levy managed to get around 20 million out of them for both which is alright now looking back on it we um, you know and then he goes to he goes on to spend that money and the fans expect a bit more. They're in the Champions... Not Champions League, sorry, that's fucking ridiculous. They're in the Europa League for a little while as well. And then they parted away because he couldn't manage the expectation anymore. Whereas he's, he's gone to somewhere like Crystal Palace where their expectation was to be relegated when he took over. And um, by keeping them up, making them play better football and, and doing that Harry Redknapp back to, basic, back to basics business, he... Um, he sort of turned them around and he, he's done well where there's no pressure on him. And I think how people handle pressure is um, is fundamental in how successful they are in a team as well. I think it's it's been a bit of a pipe dream for quite some time now, but I also think the, the sacking of Moyes pretty much ends any hopes we have of getting Louis van Gaal in as he's jumped immediately to be the favourite. Um, well... There are some journalists that have suggested that, um, because we, we've spoken about this before, and Van Hal's a divisive character. He's, he's a bit of an odd job um, when he wants to be. And um, Some say that the meetings that have ha- apparently happened between Manchester United and Van Hal previously because he is whoring himself out to anyone in England that will listen to him at the minute, um, that they were slightly put off by his demeanour because he isn't the most professional. I mean, we're talking about the story of him getting his bollocks out before now. And he, he does get underneath people's skin. Admittedly, he does get results while he's doing this, and that's probably why he's been hired so many times. But um, apparently they were put off a little bit, so they're seeking you know, other avenues, but <laughs> their other avenues appear to be two managers who have got ideal situations at Dortmund and Munich at the moment, so either would want to, to leave in order to go to a rebuilding process in Manchester United that they may not get the time for. Um, is anybody's guess. I mean, from a friend of mine who's closely associated with the club, so you could say a source. But yeah, from a friend of mine um, who does have decent links with the club, they've told me that essentially when we've met LVG in the past, it's been mutually agreed that it's not a good fit. Um, and this this was said to have happened quite early on, that all the rest of this kind of conjecture about LVG to Spurs is is simply that. There's no... There's no, you know, foundation to it anymore. That there the were some kind of kissy faces made. I do like that expression. Um, but past early talks where both sides made it clear as to what it is they would want. I don't think the talks have progressed. So I think well, the, amount, the amount of press and column inches that surrounded it could be uh, mutually uh, beneficial, couldn't it? Because yeah, if, if we um, if we kind of push that and don't say anything against it people will happily run with the story that he's coming to our club, meanwhile allowing us to do other business with other managers in the background and, you know, away from the media trail and away from any sort of pressures there. And for Van Gaal as well, if he looks like he's wanted by another club, it will then force the hand of anybody else who wants to hire him and is in the position to hire somebody else into then making an approach to him. So it's it's a bit of a prid pro quo, to use some Latin very badly in a Yorkshire accent. Um, <laughs> that you should never speak Latin if you sound like I do. I think that's something we've just both learnt. Um, yeah, it, it just seems like it's a, a situation that was never really going to turn out. Because if, if the meetings that had taken place were as advantageous as they were, 
there was no reason that um, we shouldn't have then and there offered him a contract and announced him for the season after because that would have been the most sensible thing to have happened. Um, and the fact that didn't happen pretty much um, made our mind up that it didn't seem very likely. I think, like, and this is, again, just based on the, the, the tide, I guess, the press tide and a, a, a few other factors. You, you can quite conceivably see it being Pochettino that's our manager next season, wouldn't you say? I think it's entirely dependent on how um, desperate Levy gets because I, I think he's come to a place now where he doesn't want Sherwood as manager and he realises that the fans like Geist and what's going on there wouldn't allow him to have Sherwood as another manager because there'll be more people with more placards outside the ground wanting his head and it could be either way. Um, a decent managerial appointment at this time especially if it's a successful one going forward, could just about take the heat off him there with the other things off field that have annoyed fans um, and allow him that stay of execution until he gets to sell the club on. Do you, do you not think there's someone like Pochettino, you, you, you've got that risk that it's going to be another project. Again, like in, in personality and in playing style, he is very similar to AVB. It would almost seem a bit weird to have sacked AVB, wasted half a season with Sherwood and then bring in a less, as we said before, a less qualified version of AVB. It just seems like it, it, it's really counterproductive. Well, I said earlier on Twitter when all this uh, David Moyes fallout had happened, um, I don't think we're interested in anyone at the moment uh, to take over the club who isn't over the age of around 50. Because uh, the managers that we've supposedly been linked with now are all of a similar, ver- not of a similar ideology or mindset as AVB but they're of a similar ilk in terms of we've been linked with Debar who's early 40s, he's got an idea he'll have to come in and he'll be he'll need to be afforded time. We've been linked to Thomas Tuchel from Mainz uh, who's 40 years old. Um, he a, again, he's a player manager still isn't he? No he, he retired when he was 24 he was a lower league uh, very average German defender who I think he went to go do an apprenticeship as a, a a tradesman when he was younger, but he got pulled back in as youth coach, and then he's done very. Mainz is his only coaching job, so he's a very similar situation. He's probably the most likely to AVB that we've been linked to so far, isn't that? He's very young, he's, although he's a few years older than AVB at the time of speaking. Um, it's his first job. He's doing very well there, relatively speaking. Um, he's got a, a firm way of playing um, that he'll want to obviously try and replicate, replicate in, in his second job because. You can't really build up a portfolio of way of playing football having only had the one job. If you're trying to replicate that elsewhere in a different league entirely, um, it's going to be a hard job. So I don't think, although he's a, an intriguing prospect, I don't think that's one that's going to ultimately work out for us. To be honest, um, I've never even heard of him. So there we go. Well, well, well mine's came up around 2009, 2010, and they've been very good since then. They always make a good show against the bigger teams because um, the amount of Bundesliga you get to watch isn't isn't the most here, unfortunately. You can only watch highlights and read as much as you can. Um, but whenever they play the bigger sides, um, they seem to do well home and away. Um, they're fighting towards higher table finishers. They've they finished um, fifth, I think, in one of his first seasons in charge, which was fantastic for a club of the size of mine's, given that they'd just come up. But um, again, it's it's comparable to AVB at Porto. He, it, he's been there for longer than AVB was at Porto, but it's in a much harder league. So if, they, if they're going to make that sort of leap of faith to somebody like that, it, it just seems too comparable to the situation where they didn't give him any time. So <laughs> the, the sacking now, in retrospect, even though at the time we said it was a bad decision, looks even worse in the situation we're in now. Um, and th- who's the other manager we've been linked to? Um, Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> no, that, I don't think that was a serious one. Uh, Debar, Tuchel, who else? Uh, there's another young man. I can't remember who it was now. But yeah, uh, as I say, they're all of a similar look to AVB. And the one that I suggested earlier, although, it, again, it's the contract situation and things that I don't think will end up happening anyway, but the one that seemed to fit the most for me was Capello at this time because um, after the World Cup for Russia... He doesn't do as well. Um, he signed a new contract in January. If he doesn't do as well now, we've got Baldini at the club. Um, he probably wants um, one last crack at a club job in a league and country that he'd like to prove himself in over here. 
Um, so I could see that happening if uh, Levy wanted to put his hand in his pocket and get a manager. But again, <laughs> the amount of times Levy puts his hand in his pocket are, are uh, few and far between. So it's it's really a, a strange situation for us to be in. Um, it's not really comparable to the one we were in when we sat Redknapp because um, that was that was born out of some ad, some actual what's the word I'm looking for some some sort of aspiration, wasn't it? We, we'd recognised that Redknapp could only take us so far, so we tried to to build on that with a new manager just heading in a new direction. And had we given AVB the time, I'm still in the impression that he, he could have turned it around, although the situation he was in when he was at, at the club wasn't as bad as it it seemed and some people treated it for me, really. So um, I, I still think that that sacking was um, a ridiculous decision, especially the way in which the, the season we had was pretty much surrendered after that point. So um, the way in which we go forward now is very interesting because if we hire somebody who's 40 years old from a foreign league, it's going to be um, perhaps some the same state of affairs in terms of a um, a project that runs its course far too quickly because um, neither the the more reactionary fans or the board at the club um, have the patience to see it through, which is what you need at a club in the situation of ours, unfortunately. Well, it's, it's all gone to hell, basically, hasn't it, mate? I think it's uh, hell in a handbasket. But I've never heard that expression before. Have you not? I, I think it's some. I can't remember what it's from. It's from a film. It's from Platoon or Full Metal Jacket or one of those Vietnam films. Um, there oh, you go. Showing your age again. Just way before my time. Way before my time. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just cultured, mate. That's all. It's not all just BBC Three and American box sets for me, Raj. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Try expand your horizons a bit, mate. You know, I prefer um, what's that one on BBC Three? Sun, sex, and suspicious. Yeah, suspicious parents. There's life past a chip shop at the end of your road, mate. Yeah, you know I mean, there is a chip shop at the end of my road. I, I, I can imagine there is, mate. There's a chip shop at the end of every road in the north, though. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was you hedged your bets quite well there. Um, let's, we've had some uh, questions oh, sent yeah, in. Are we gonna drag this out? Jesus, we go can do. Him. Yeah, go on him. Um, Sean Connolly said, "Will it ever be fun to support Spurs again?" No. <laughs> um, okay. Fo- football's dead. It's eating itself. As as to paraphrase Flav Bateman. Um, I, I on a genuine note, I don't think I've ever seen as many unhappy fans from as many clubs as I as I have no. this season. Everyone yeah. seems to be unhappy with football in general. Yeah, I, I said the other day. Um, I think this is the. Premier League season most in my lifetime that I've enjoyed the least and um, I expected you know insults for saying something so negative but uh, all I got was agreement really which was worrying I think you know the mix of Tottenham being horrible Arsenal probably going to win a cup Liverpool in a position to win the league Chelsea in a position to win the Champions League it's it's a disgusting season it's It's horrible again I know a bang on about it but it's just horrible again seeing Luis Suarez lauded that it's just yeah a man that still hasn't apologised has just been treated like he's a a human being (laughs) no I I completely agree I made that obvious uh, to the Liverpool fans to their very ears to the shell-shocked Liverpool fans (laughs) yeah I think that was probably one of my finest moments you, your, you, your best sightings, wasn't it? <laughs> you, you told me off afterwards, off air. For, um, <laughs> you're not allowed to say that to their faces. But I couldn't help myself. Anyway, uh, other questions. Um, the Spurs brain says, describe Shield in just one word. Um, I'm not going to go the obvious. Tim. Well, it was going to begin with a C. But... Uh... Owl. Owl. Yeah. A- owl. Owl. Like on phone shop. Oscar, whiskey, Lima, owl. Right. I don't know what um, phone shop is. I'm too old for that, mate. <laughs> You're too white and middle class for to watch your phone shop, I think. You wouldn't get the uh, cultural references. Um, I would go for clown. Like that. Like that. Owl clown. 
between us is what he would be called. Clown. No, it doesn't work, does it? No. Shouldn't um, work it, but it doesn't. We had one that was somebody who just quoted the tweet that I sent out and then said the usual insults you trade with each other would just be fine. We don't insult each other, do we? I don't know if we do, you big fucking prick. Yeah. See what I did you, there? You ugly man. Beautiful. You know I am. Yeah, I, I couldn't commit to that. Um, I know you could. You were uncomfortable saying it. <laughs> I've got to go, here's one. Edward P. Edward PRZ. Which Game of Thrones characters would make the perfect chairman? Dash manager duo at Spurs. Quite like that. Um, the dragons. I'd have one dragon as chairman and one dragon as manager. One dragon as chairman, one dragon as manager. I would. I would want to have the. the is it? I'm. I'm awful at names. But Tyrion is the small man, isn't he? <laughs> Why have you gone back there after we've so badly <laughs> skirted over what is politically correct and what is not? Why would you go back? Yes, um, but Tyrion is a good leader. You saw it when he was fighting the, you know, when he was fighting the Baratheons as they were trying to take take the the keep and Joffrey bottled it. You know, Tyrion, he led the men and even though, you know, they could laugh at him because he was a small man and because, you know, whatever, people don't like the Lannisters very much. He rallied the troops and he fought to what he thought was his death at the time, side to side, and I, I think that was good. But he's also a clever man. See, he can rouse the troops. He's clever. And he knows how to play the game. He's not a brash man. He doesn't. He doesn't fire from the hip. He he'd be a very good manager, Tyrion. And I'd probably have to say, um, the horrible Lannister, his father, Tarwin, is it? Charles Dance. Yeah, Charles Dance, as as our chairman. He's got the money. He likes to sort of get involved a bit, but not too much. Uh, we'll, 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 t- we'll take them. We'll take the Lannisters, I think. <laughs> You've taken that question and properly run with it. We do. We're a bit too. Uh, we're a bit too stark. I think Tottenham at the moment. We're a bit house of stark. Why? Because we try got our... Northerners there, and we got burnt down. We try our best, but we just shit ultimately. Um, we had another one. Uh, which Premier League team has the worst fans on social media? I think they're all pretty bad, really. Yeah, I think the especially irrational ones. I think it's a straight fight to the bloody keyboard death between Arsenal and Liverpool. Because some of the uh, the graphics they put out between them are oh, truly good shocking. God, good, good. Have you seen that Jack Wilshaw one where they've broken his body down into like they've said like left foot Brady. Heart, Adams, Head, Keown, all this kind of shit. It's so embarrassing. Yeah, there's that. There's the Rogers ones as well with dead people hanging above him, in which he good job son. Um, there, it, I think. It, I don't want to sound xenophobic, although I probably am. Some of these seem to originate from the Far East with the the clubs that have these large followings in in other territories, and um, just because I think their social norms are slightly different to ours, they think that's a uh, something that won't be taken a piss out of and is coming from a good place. But um, it's just laughable when we see it, really. I mean, I'd hate to see us at Tottenham do anything like that. So nothing like that at Tottenham, mate. So, like, for example, not some wanker that makes crap little animations with stupid voices and shit weak jokes and storylines, yeah? That'd be um, that'd probably be the worst scenario possible, really. Right. Well, that's a bit awkward, isn't it? Um... Have we got any other questions? No, I don't want to talk anymore to you. I don't. I don't like. I don't like the way this is going. Um, I liked the um, the question that would describe each other in, with one word. Northern. Cheggers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that works, doesn't it? There we go. Yeah, I'll say that. Well, I don't really want to take that, but I have to, and I just have. That's not the first time I've said that either. Um... <laughs> Uh, that's the end of Rule the Roost for another week, for another jam-packed, action-packed week. We've only got a couple more to go after this, which I'm sure you'll be pleased to know. Um, we might still try and do our roundtable thing. What do you reckon, Roger? You, you like the idea of that, don't you? A Spurs Statman roundtable at the end of the year? Yeah, we'll try and get all those um, those those lads on for uh, a last hurrah towards the end of the year and see what, what's what. We might even, and, uh, do you reckon there's any way you could come down to London, mate? We could all do it round the table. Actually, literally round the table. Circle jerk. We could do yeah, all in the same place at the same time, and record it properly, like what proper people do. 
Uh, no, I think that'd sound far too professional for any of us. Well, there you go. Um, listen to all the previous episodes of Rule the Roost on SpursStatman.com, our Buzzsprout website, and on iTunes. The Spurs Statman, who is our boss, JP, you can follow him on Twitter at SpursStatman, as well as the Rule the Roost account at RTRSSM, where, as Bain said last week, it's essentially a place where we tweet out anything we don't want to put on our own personal accounts, even though my own personal account is lowbrow, argumentative, aggressive, narcissistic shine most of the time. So, yeah, give it a follow. Um, anything going up on the Spurs Statman site this week, by the way, mate? Uh, just the usual. Just the usual bollocks. There you go. Don't read it. None of you do anyway, do you? I don't read it. Thousands upon thousands. Lots of people do read it. It's very good material. Um, so, yeah, come on, you Spurs. Let's finish in the Champions League and get knocked out in the qualifiers. Woo! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.